0: Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, joined again by one of my co-hosts, Daniel Halverson. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Daniel from Bank of England Mortgage. It's always great having you on here. Absolutely, man. Good to be back. Yeah, man. So, hey, we're going to do a pretty quick podcast here, but it's kind of a topic that we've really been bouncing around. You came to me yesterday and you said, hey, man, I got an idea for this runaway bond episode that we could do. And and that's, in fact, exactly what it is. And, you know, I think we're just going to take 10 minutes briefly here, and we're going to explain what's going on with this bond market, why it's inflated, the difference between the 30-year fixed rate, and what this this almost like extra adage that's in there that should be going away here, hopefully, in the next quarter or so. But we're going to probably get to why rates are so high, higher than they technically should be, and then what's going on with the bond market, why it's higher technically than it should be. So I love the title, Runaway Bond, and let's just get right to it. I mean, the reality is there's too many, there's just too many treasuries to start you know, the, the topic of the conversation here. We have too many treasuries in the market, and I'll let you kind of get into why that is and what that means for our audience here as we talk about this.
1: Yeah. And I like to obviously, uh, be in, in the mortgage uh, world, I like to talk about this as it as it correlates to mortgage interest rates, right? Direct. I, I would say most of the people we work with don't care about what the 10-year treasury is doing. But the reality is, if you look at the 10-year treasury, you can get a pretty good idea of where mortgage rates are headed, right? Yeah, they if, move in unison, and, right? And, and just so people listening know, if the 10-year treasury yield is going up, generally mortgage rates are going up, vice versa. I mean, I would say that correlation is is very, very, very close. So, and you might be wondering, well, why have mortgage rates been going up so much recently? Mm-hmm. And the ten-year treasury is his his kind of like like the title of the episode suggests, yeah. run away right? It's right. it's shot through the moon. You know, we were at below four percent in August, and you know four and a quarter has kind of been a technical on the ten-year that we didn't want to break above, because that would probably mean mortgage rates going to continue to go higher. The ten-year has room to go even higher. You know, the tenure at this point, is about 4.7 as we talk. It got as high as 4.8, so huge increases, right? And you might be wondering, okay, well, why is that happening? <clears throat> and the first reason is kind of what you alluded to. There's really just a lack of um, demand for treasuries relative to the amount of supply. Mm-hmm. And you look at, um, you know, why is there so much supply? Well, federal deficit going up pretty considerably, right? The way that they pay for that is you know, they issue debt, which treasuries are the primary way that that's paid for. So when we spend money, you know, the government, quote unquote, prints money the way that they pay for that is they issue debt. Somebody has to buy that debt, right? Right. So if there's no demand for it, if there's limited demand for it, what does that mean? That means that they have to increase the... um, The desire desire for some more for it, it, They have to increase demand for it by giving a high return. So yields go up, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The other component though is you know with quantitative tightening we're doing the exact opposite of what we were doing with zero interest rate policy in the in the sense that the federal reserve was buying treasuries to keep yields down to keep rates down. Right. They've stopped doing that, right? They've completely stopped doing that for the most part. Right. Um, they will obviously step in if they have to, uh, which is kind of, they don't talk about that. But <laughs> quantitative tightening they're not buying those, right? So there's less, there's less participation. There's right. also less foreign participation in foreign countries buying treasuries right. as well.
0: So, I mean, it, just to hit the pause button because you're throwing, getting, throwing, throwing a lot at them right now here, but real quickly, you know, the Federal Reserve is the number one buyer of U.S. treasuries, right, of a debt. The number two is Japan, and number three is China. So you're setting it up to where if those three buyers were going to a car lot to go buy a car and they were constantly buying all the cars on the lots, kind of what we saw during COVID, prices of those cars go up, right? Because they know they can get more for them. But in this particular case, when no one's buying a product and there's a lot of cars sitting on the lot, they've got to reduce the price of that car, theoretically – to get more people to come to the lot, so what the treasuries are doing is they're enticing more buyers by continuing to raise the yield, which is the the what's made on this bond or this note, to attract more people. to Go, hey, this is an attractive note. I should buy this for ten years. Lock my money up for ten years because I'm getting I'm, I'm getting you know four point these four, a yield of four point seven zero eight today, you know. So they've got to continue to raise that. And without that foreign participation, without that number one buyer, this may continue to go up.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's an argument that could be made for that, you know. And, and one of the other components so we just talked about a little bit about supply and demand of treasuries, mm-hmm. but another component is the Federal Reserve of as of their last meeting, as of their meeting notes, which they just released. That the narrative is higher for longer, right? Mm-hmm. And the markets don't like that. The market, despite what maybe they they should and shouldn't do, <laughs> they're pricing in what they think will happen in the future, right? So pricing in rate cuts only to find out the feds are saying, well, not so fast. We might keep them higher for longer. So a lot of this is you're seeing the markets react to, okay, well, if interest rates are going to be higher for longer, then we need to price this into the bond yep. market. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the bar- bond market, which is part of that lack of uh, demand, which is well why you see, you, if you hear people talking about an inverted yield curve, basically what that means is I can make more money buying short-term T-bills or treasuries than I can buying long ones, which counterintuitive, the longer you got to tie your money up, the more money you anticipate you should make, right?
0: Right. Um, Just in perspective, the two-year today is five point, just let's call it 5.1. So if I can tie my money up longer or shorter making more money versus tying it up for another eight years making less money, well, there's your argument. Sure. So That's the reality. You
1: know, so some of that is this higher for longer. We're seeing the markets reacting to Mm -hmm. that because they were somewhat anticipating rate cuts to be coming on the horizon. And that, that time frame may have been pushed out a little bit. You know, and I think another factor here is the strength of the U.S. economy, right? We haven't seen the labor market do what was anticipated to do. Inflation on the, on the core has been a little bit sticky, right? It's coming down slower. And now they're reporting, you know, positive GDP for this quarter, right? <laughs> so the, the economy seems to be doing Pretty good, which and, means... And
0: how could you tell from those job reports we right, just talked about, right? <laughs> Hell, who right. knows? Which uh, which,
1: which is another thing that the markets are reacting to, right? right? So trying to find, I think that the other component here is maybe the feds and the markets trying to figure out what is the neutral rate of inflation? And neutral rate of inflation means what is the federal funds or the neutral rate rather, sorry, not the neutral mm-hmm. rate of inflation, but the neutral rate basically means what does the federal funds rate need to be so that... Inflation stays under control, and the job market stays under control as well. So they have stable employment and inflation at or below their 2% target. Right. So the market's maybe starting to think, okay, well, what if our neutral rate's higher than maybe we thought it, it was? You know, right. So they're kind of trying to find that ground of what is the neutral rate where inflation will come down and employment will be
0: um, strong. Yo, Thank you so much for choosing us today We're definitely not done with our podcast But we are going to take a really short sponsor break And then we'll get right back to the show I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family, and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. And I think another thing you mentioned about that 210 treasury curve, the inversion that's taking place historically has always shown that when it's inverted, 12 to 18 months after the inversion goes away, meaning that the two year, the two year, you know, note in this case, is less valuable than the 10 year, right? Once that evaporates, that we kind of have a recession on our hands. And what we have happening right now is the 10 year is rising at such a rapid rate, much faster than what the two year is rising at. And if we continue on that pattern, this is called essentially you know, yield curve control, which is where the Federal Reserve gets that under control, gets rid of that inversion. That's typically sometimes makes it tighter for the markets. And that's when you start to see that recession come in place because the byproduct of raising Short-term interest rates so much quicker than what we traditionally have seen since you know the 80s is you run the risk of that hard landing that they keep describing and that puts a crunch in the market there and uh, essentially could could hurt the credit markets and that's where the crunch comes in.
1: Well, you know, in the 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 runaway bond market, the Feds don't necessarily want that to happen. And you might think, okay, well, why? The whole point is to to, to restrict the economy, right? Right. But if this 10-year starts to run away you know get out of out of their control if you look at it from the standpoint of are now they're now they're too restrictive mm-hmm. so the higher the 10 year yield gets if if you look at the economy companies that want to grow that want to expand they do that by issuing debt a lot of times so they have to issue corporate bonds well naturally the interest rate that they're willing to pay has to be a good bit higher than what a Ten-year Treasury is going to yield right because, because of the risk. The ten-year Treasury is risk-free. The right. government has never defaulted on those. Right. Corporate bond issuance, obviously, the company could have trouble. A company could go out of business. So there's inherently more risk in that. Right. So it becomes maybe overly restrictive beyond what they want it to be when these yields go up so quickly. Which is why uh, seven of the Fed members last week came out and tried to tried to talk some some calm into the markets, right? Right. The reality is the feds could easily solve all this by coming out and saying, we don't know when we're gonna cut rates, but we're not gonna hike them again.
0: They haven't, Absolutely. Done,
1: they haven't done that, right? And I don't know why they haven't done that, but you know, they basically have come out and tried to pacify the markets and say, well, we may not need to cut rates again. And they've acknowledged we may not need to cut rates. The bond market's doing some of our work for us, but they've gotta be careful because they don't want this tenure to go to go out of control, and then the ramifications of that are maybe far greater to the economy than what they're hoping to accomplish, which is a quote-unquote soft landing where we don't have a recession and the labor market doesn't
0: get ugly, but inflation comes down, right? Yeah, and we're operating right now where there are a tremendous amount of treasuries that are for sale. We've got a tremendous amount of them. And not only are those buyers that we referred to earlier not buying, the Federal Reserve's not buying because in tightening, they're letting everything run off their balance sheet. So they're not essentially reinvesting back into uh, the economy in that way. Japan's also unloading their treasuries right now. So you've got more on top of what we're not purchasing. They're adding back to the pool right now. And, you know, that's just making more availability out there. And because of that, we're starting to see this rapid rise that we're talking about to just create demand. At what number does the demand meet the appetite? and When does that happen? That's the real question.
1: Well, and I think the real question for me is when does the Fed pivot <laughs> with their language? Not necessarily with what they do. When pivot. do they pivot with their language? Because right. right now, the language has been— very hawkish, you know. Yeah. We're going to do more. 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 And now, it's kind of been fascinating watching the spiral in the bond market and, and yields just shoot up. Which it's not fascinating for my day job with <laughs> what's happening to mortgage rates, but it's fascinating to see like okay, they're losing they're losing grip on this a little bit, right? Yeah. So the question is, you know, whether you're whether you think Fed pivot or not in terms of what they do with rates. I think that the Fed pivot in language will happen at some point. Yeah. At some point they will have to come out and say what they're gonna do instead of continuing to hint that that it could get worse, right?
0: Yeah, and I think there's this notion if the Fed showed their hands that it would <clears throat> do more harm than good. I think that's like an old school notion. But the reality is I think it could help tremendously. Like you said, right now it helped the markets because all the markets are looking for right now is some stability. Because the difference between the, you know, traditionally speaking, you should be able to say, hey, the, the Essentially, the 10-year treasury plus 1.75, that's your 30-year fixed rate mortgage. If you just want a barometer. So, yep. you know, you should take 1.75, add it to this 4.7. Quick math, six that's six half, point right. six and a half, yep. right? Well, we're not 6.5. We're at 8. Yep. Right. We should not be at 8. So, the difference between 6.5 and, and 8 is another 150 basis points. That's that – that's that – that uncertainty that's built in and if you can calm that uncertainty we can get right back down that clip that that'll evaporate but because there isn't that certainty and the fed hasn't shown their hand and we get a hawkish statement matched by a dovish comment and you have a very divided fed right now you haven't seen it like this before and 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 while seven members have come to stable kind of calm the fears of the market the other remaining members aren't saying anything which is also not helping right right because that's the majority seven's not the majority the other remaining members are. So I do think that that's, uh, that's not helping the cause here. And the appetite for this 10-year treasury is just not there. You can see it, you know, clear as day by the price continuing to, to do what it's doing. So I mean, hopefully it comes back, but it also doesn't help with what we're doing is also reflecting in the other markets as well. The European markets, all of them are seeing the same impact as well from what we're, you know, going through over here.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the U.S. continues to be the best of the war, of, of the worst, right? <laughs> So, but it's, you know, it's, it's it's just super interesting that they won't come out and say, you know what, we're not going to hike again. They yep. could solve a lot of problems and they're already firmly in restrictive territory at this point. When you look at the federal funds rate relative to inflation, you're you're strict, you're, you're very firmly in restrictive territory. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to harm by saying, hey, we don't know when we're going to cut rates, but we're not going to hike them again. Right. You know, seems seems like that would be a way to really calm the markets and keep this, you know, this 10-year spiral that we're seeing from going further out of control. But, you know, I guess I'm not not a Fed member, so um, I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe there's more to it than what meets the eye, but it seems like it would be a mighty easy solution.
0: Yeah. No, you're not a Fed member because you actually have worked in the field. That's why (laughs) none of the Fed members have. They've been Fed members all their lives with the exception of two, who also really didn't do that much in the field either. So, but uh, guys, if you want to see more of our notes, check us out on our YouTube channel there, subscribe. Uh, we're going to have some of this commentary as well on our social media at what's your one more with the number one. But if you like this podcast, five-star review, at least some comments for us, check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, whichever platform you've listened to. Uh, and please, again, uh, if you would leave some comments, five-star review that Daniel, as always, thanks for having you on the show here, man. Always love the enlightening topics you bring to the table. And you know, for me, the takeaway right here is this today. Hey, it's going to get better eventually, but right now, don't be surprised if it gets a little bit worse. And until that appetite meets a demand, we could see that happen probably in Q4 here. Could be 2023. We see rates go up a little bit. The ten-year Treasury continues to rise, and I think you know we've already broken those technicals. I think the next one's five, and that's what everyone's going to be looking for on there. So uh, I would, I would, I would caution to say we get to five, people are going to lock some money up for ten years at five. So I think we'll start seeing a little bit more of that demand being met there. Daniel, as always, man, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Absolutely, man. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Said it now, it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put them all into it, yeah.